Welcome to another episode of the Active Texan Podcast, where you can be inspired by the stories of active people from the great state of Texas and beyond. We also chat with people who can help keep you active, like our sponsor, College Station Physical Therapy and Performance. CSPT is a performance PT clinic who helps active people recover from injury, return to their active lifestyle, and reach their highest level of performance. Learn more about how CSPT can help you get back to doing what you love at collegestationpt.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Active Texan Podcast. I'm Dr. Brian Watts, your host. Today, we have Dr. Stacy Barber from the PhysioFix, actually located in Phoenix, Arizona. What's up, Stacy? Hey, Brian. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. So this is not the first time we've had someone that's actually not a Texan, but um, this podcast is to have stories to inspire people to do something that they think that they can't or something adventurous and stay active. And I think Dr. Stacy has a great story, at least for the part that I know about. Maybe there's other things too. Um, but she recently ruptured her Achilles within the last year and a half, just like I did. I've told stories about it on the podcast. Everyone here local kind of knows about it and what I've been through and able to get back and do an Ironman. Um, but you've you've done something as well. So thanks, Stacy, for taking the time to come on the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. But before we would talk about the Achilles injury, um, I just want to say a little bit about you. I mean, you've, so you have your uh, physical therapy business called the Physio Fix in Phoenix, Arizona, started with just mm-hmm. you inside a gym. Um, if I'm not wrong, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and then you kind of grew from there, but why don't you fill in the gaps there? Like what, you know, what inspired you to start Physio Fix and then where, what is it? Yeah, so you were right. I did start the first um, physio fix within a CrossFit gym. So that's how I could keep like the overhead low. Um, When I first started the business, I really only wanted it to be me. I never like had plans on like expanding past that. Um, I actually never had any plans on opening a business in the first place. So kind of how it kind of came to be is that I was kind of stuck working for a PT mill after I graduated from Duke in 2015. So I worked for that mill for two years and of course, when it was like explained to me, the job was not a mill, right? It was like one-on-one, you get to treat your patients and you get to make a difference and, you know, come to find out that now I'm working with 20 to 30 patients a day and I just couldn't give them the kind of service that they needed. And I felt like it was unethical at that point to continue to work in that model. So I didn't know what to do, but I have a strength and conditioning background. So I decided that I wanted to kind of create this hybrid clinic where I was doing strength and conditioning, sort of like one-on-ones personal training model, but doing it for physical therapy. So I just kind of started my own thing, started working with some different insurances, doing cash pay. And then I kind of grew from there. So that was 2017. And then I opened up a second location on a different side of town, maybe six months later. And then I kind of condensed everything down to that one location the next year. And then I stayed there until the pandemic hit. And then that's when I was kind of forced, which is a good thing to open up my own facility um, because gyms had to shut down here. And I I was within a private gym at that point, not a CrossFit gym, but the gym had to shut down and I could continue to work as a essential personnel, but I had to like work in the dark at times. And there was a lot of like kind of sketchy stuff going on just to make sure that people didn't knock on the door and the owner didn't get a fine. So I just decided that was, it was in the best interest of my patients to open up my own place in 2020. Awesome. Well, congratulations on that journey. That's a pretty quick journey. Um, and it sounds like it's been, you know, it has its ups and downs, but you've really developed something that you are passionate about. And also it sounds like it's like who you are as a person. Um, mm-hmm. 
So like going into physical therapy, were were you already like an active person, athlete? Did you do things in college, high school? Yeah. So I was a gymnast growing up. So I started when I was four years old. Um, I used to live in Oklahoma, so not too far from Texas. I lived yeah. in Piedmont, Oklahoma, um, and I went to practice in Oklahoma City. So I still have family that lives in Oklahoma, not too far from you. Um, and then um, I continued that for 18 years, got a full college scholarship, went to Illinois State University and competed for all four years. And then once I was you know, done with that, I had to figure out what I wanted to do next to kind of like fill that athletic void. I wanted, I'm always very competitive. So I wanted to find something to do. And then I started doing bodybuilding and then I started doing powerlifting and then I got into Olympic weightlifting and that's what I've stuck with for the last, I guess, almost 10 years now. Oh, wow. So you transitioned from gymnastics yeah. into lifting essentially. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which I don't know. Is that very common? Very common. So most of the Olympians, like the women, at least we used to be gymnasts. So they would have like a foundational strength growing up. They, you know, learn that discipline, learn that mind body control. And it's really kind of easy to translate over in Olympic weightlifting. Cause it's all about learning how to control the bar. And it's pretty much like an individual sport too. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And one of your other PTs is, was also a gymnast, correct? Actually, all of them used to be gymnasts, even um, the male therapist, he did gymnastics when he was like really little. But um, Dr. Megan, she was a gymnast, she was a cheerleader, and she was a dancer. And so was Dr. Haley. And then um, Nate was a gymnast when he was tiny, and then he turned into a golfer. And now he does powerlifting. Yeah, I saw the golfer to powerlifting transition that that's not something I don't think you see very often. <laughs> I know. Yeah. You should probably bring him on and talk about that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love golf. I don't know if, how much you know about me, but I've played golf my whole life and also TPI and level two certified. So, um, yeah, we could probably have him on talk, talk for a long time. <laughs> for sure. Oh yeah. He, he would love that. He loves being on podcasts. Well, yeah. Uh, with your mission being, I mean, I don't know if this is your mission, but you have on your website, repair, enhance, prevent, and also this mm -hmm. whole, um, which, which I think that probably is essentially what you're trying to do with everybody. Um, is that all just coming from like who you are as a person, like I said earlier? Um, and how, how did you kind of blend that? I mean, did you almost in a sense get burned out um, doing uh, what you're doing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. That's definitely why, you know, the other than the unethical part of it, and I felt like I hated my job every day. And I, you know, spent all this time, all this money to go into this career and then only to kind of feel like I didn't want to continue down that road. So, but yeah, I was very, very burnt out. I would, you know, almost cry every night. I would come home and tell my husband that I was just like, maybe this isn't right for me. And he's like, maybe you're just not in the right environment. And I thought, well, that's kind of smart. Maybe I should try to create that environment that I want to be in. So that's another part of it too, though. Yeah. So you're kind of forced to change your environment. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. what you were trying that, to do so didn't exist. Exactly. Yeah, this was 2017. So this is almost six years ago now. And there are like a handful of, you know, self pay clinics, but there wasn't a ton back then there was nobody that you could call up and be like, Hey, how did you do it? How did you start this process? And I didn't want to just be self pay either. I wanted to make sure I worked with several insurance companies at that time, because I did work with a lot of gymnasts, because that was my background. And I treated a lot of family members. And so it would be like doing a disservice to them to be not able to treat them at all. Um, so I wanted to try to get into network with as many companies as I could. And obviously over time, I've had to drop some of them too, because the reimbursements are terrible, as you know, and just the number of hoops you have to jump through to get like the reimbursement. 
Um, but at that time, that was kind of what I wanted to do. I wanted to have like a hybrid insurance self-pay um, one-on-one model. So with when I change gears a little bit here with with you when you were growing up with gymnastics and then shifting into powerlifting ten years ago, um, how did that play a role into you wanting to become a PT? When when did you know you wanted to do physical therapy? From when I was really little. So I got exposed to physical therapy re- really early on. Being a gymnast, it's kind of part of the experience. You know, getting injured is just kind of comes with the territory. It's not necessarily like if you get injured, but when, right? And so I got injured. Um, I remember my first injury was like, I broke my heel and then I got Stevers. So it was kind of like in that adolescent age of like 10 to 12 years old. And that's when I first got exposed to the physical therapy world. And I remember going into the clinic for the first time and like kind of looking around and I'm like, okay, these, no offense, there are a lot of older people in that clinic. And I couldn't figure out how that was going to help me get back to my sport. And the physical therapist, she didn't challenge me. And I knew early on, I was like, mom, this isn't actually helping me. It seems very basic or like below what I need to do to get back to because I was an elite level gymnast. Um, And so my mom was like, well, if you don't like, you know, where you're at, maybe you could do something in the future to, to change it. So Right then and there, I already knew I wanted to be a physical therapist. And so when I like applied to, you know, um, college, I already did exercise science as my undergrad major. And then as soon as I was done, I got an internship being a sports and conditioning coach and applied to PT school. What were some of the injuries or setbacks you had in college? So I've had now 11 orthopedic surgeries. Oh, my God. I know that sounds like um, incredible. Like it's just overwhelming. But so right before I went to college, I tore my ACL, like right before I went to college. So it was like my senior year, the very end of the year, like state meet for gymnastics, that's like March. Um, So I tore my ACL and my MCL. So not quite the triad because I didn't get the meniscus, but um, that was my first injury. So that kind of carried into college. And then I had to get a second surgery when I was in college, um, right off the bat. And it was like a plica, plica removal, you know, they didn't really know kind of what was going on while I was in pain. So they did an exploratory medial knee surgery and they did that. And then um, later that year or the next year, I started getting the ganglion cyst in the wrist. So if people aren't familiar with that, it's just kind of like a little cyst that grows in your wrist. Um, so instead of them, they kept trying to do like cortisone shots. It wasn't working. So at the end of season, what my freshman year, I got a surgery to try to get it excised. And then it came back and I got another surgery the second year. It was just like a nightmare of things and a ton of like low back injuries. Um, And then my junior year, I tore my rotator cuff. So I got that surgery. And then my senior year, I I tore my labrum. So I got that surgery. And then after my senior year, I actually tore um, like my bicep and the labrum again. So then I got a bicep tenodesis. So kind of all of that was within college um, and then since college, I had another knee surgery and another hip surgery and obviously their most recent Achilles surgery. So knee, uh, hip, wrist, shoulder, shoulder, but no low yeah. back surgery, right? Just low back. Pain. No. no, they just kept, you know, injecting that thing over and over and over again. Like, let's get you through season, another injection, another injection. Wow. Is that, is that still kind of how it is in at that in gymnastics and college collegiate level? Yeah. I mean, I used to doctors all the time injecting, you know, even in like high school athletes, but definitely in college, it's just like band-aiding approaches. Um, the athletic trainers 
obviously like they don't have the same kind of um, background and training for college and they don't have the time to be able to do rehab. So they just try to like, you know, get you through season. And then they like really spend time in the summer doing the rehab because during the season, you just don't have the time. You have full practices, traveling, stuff like that. So you inject and then you miss a couple of days to practice and then you go right into a meet. And so since you started doing more lifting, uh, so the powerlifting, Olympic lifting, have, have you seen those injuries decrease? Um, do you feel like there's any kind of correlation like with you transitioning? I mean, obviously gymnastics is a lot higher risk and a lot more high risk for injury on anywhere in the body. Mm-hmm. No, I feel like if I would have done like weightlifting, powerlifting, more strength training, like when I was doing gymnastics, I probably would not have needed any of those surgeries. And knowing what I know now too, I probably wouldn't have got those surgeries anyways. Um, other than of course the Achilles repair, cause they kind of needed that reconstructed, but most of these things, they could have just been prevented. I could have just treated them conservatively. Um, and I wish I would have known that. Wow. You think almost every surgery except for the Achilles could have been done, treated conservatively without surgery. Yeah. Even, you know, like they say now, ACLs, they can heal without surgery. So I think that I could have tried that. I didn't have a ton of like instability. It was just more like hey, you tore it, um, you go see a knee surgeon, what do they recommend? A knee surgery, right? It just is like over and over again. So um, I think that I could have just, you know, treated it. I didn't have a ton of pain. It was just, this is what we saw in the image. This is what we're treating. There is a big rabbit hole we could go down on that right now, but we're not going to do that. Um, I know. <laughs> um, but also, so it's, I have the same feeling. Like I'm, I, I had an ACL surgery, um, but I didn't have any surgeries till I was in my 30s, uh, but tore my ACL playing soccer, and had the surgery now looking back on it wish I hadn't or at least tried to rehab it without you know I don't know if I would have had to end up having surgery or not and then a a year later I I had already torn the meniscus and they repaired it it didn't really work um the way that I mean anyway I was having knee pain again and they just thought oh it's the meniscus so I went back in had a surgery um this is while I was a PT even um but before I kind of know what I do now um and then so those two surgeries for sure I i regret having and I try to tell people you know try this first and then we can always go back and have an ACL reconstruction and I've had some success with a couple of people you should listen to the podcast with Cody Teal um he he's a professional bull rider he's he's got uh torn ACL maybe in both knees actually and he hasn't had surgery mm-hmm. um he's had other surgeries because of broken bones and stuff but uh, the ACL, we were able to get him back to riding in top 20 in the world, um, without an ACL. Uh, so anyway, I, you know, that's part of like what we're doing in our mission of with CSBT, with PhysioFix of, you know, helping people when they don't necessarily need it, try to get back without surgery. And then when they do need it, you know, finding the right person to do that for them. Um, so What's up, everybody? I wanted to take a moment to tell you about our sponsor, Cleaner. They are a natural and organic product company that makes the best options for soap, deodorant, beard oil, and pomade, all made right here in the USA and all scented from nature, not in a lab. You can find all these great products at cleaner.com. That's K-L-E-N-R.com. Click on the link in the description below. And also, don't forget to use our discount code, T-A-T-10. That's TAT10 for 10% off on all their products. I personally use these products. I love their soap, deodorant, and pomade. They're all made without harmful chemicals. So remember, it's not just what you put in your body, but what you put on your body. Go check out cleaner.com 
for the best soaps, deodorants, beard oils, and pomades out there today. Don't forget to use the discount code TAT10 for 10% off. Tell us a little bit about your Achilles injury, like how, how it happened. And then I also want to know a little bit of like what you've thought about as far as what may have contributed to that actually happening at that time, other than, you know, how it happened. Okay. Well, so how it happened, it was our office holiday party. So this is kind of terrible because this is our first annual holiday party because I didn't have enough, you know, employees and staff at, until this point to have a holiday party. So I was like so excited. First time we're going to have a holiday party. So we do the holiday party at one of those sky zone, like trampoline park slash ninja gyms. And which is great. Like I love like going into those places, tumbling, you know, cause it, you know, being a former gymnast and so many former gymnasts on my team, we love that sort of stuff. So, um, get there, start playing around and do like the trampoline tumble track, rock climbing wall. And then I get to the warped wall. So, um, I don't know if you're familiar with those places, if you've been there yourself, you can't wear shoes in those places. They just give you these like grippy socks, you know, which is fine. I guess, you know, that's what, that's their rules and their policy. So, um, I'm very competitive. I think I've already mentioned that. So I like did the smaller wall first because I'm not too tall. I was a gymnast. So I was, I'm about five, five. And so I ran up the first wall, got it easily. And then I was like, let me try the taller wall. So the taller wall was about 20 feet tall, which is pretty dang tall. And so I thought the original tall, the, like Ninja Warrior one was like 14 feet. Oh, that was like the, the left side. The one that I did first was about 14 feet. And then the right side was 20 feet. Okay. Okay. So that's my first mistake is to try to attempt that. So I get there. And so my very first attempt of it, I touched the top of it and I was like, oh my God, I'm like right there. And I have this all on video. So the first one, I'm almost there. So I'm like, let me try a little bit harder. (laughs) You've seen it. Yeah. Um, So the second video, I like try a little bit harder and it was worse. And so then my husband and everyone was like, you just need to try to push off harder. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try to push off as hard as I can. So the third time up is when I ruptured my Achilles. It was on the push off. So my foot was in extreme dorsiflexion, in range dorsiflexion on that wall. And I, it was my left side pushed off of it. And I just felt, you know, the classic, I mean, you've had it, you know, like it feels like someone like either steps on the back of your calf or shoots you in the calf. And so I just like sat down and I just turned to everyone and I say, I just ruptured my Achilles and everyone's like, no, you just sprained your ankle. And I was like, no, no, I just ruptured my Achilles. Oh man. I, so, I'm yeah. Living through that again. Cause I, I mean, I had the same feeling, um, you know, within, you know, 30 seconds or less, what just happened. <laughs> Once you realize nobody yeah. kicked you in the back of the leg and nothing hits you, it's like, oh, that's what that feels like. Um, so did you have a lot of pain like immediately with it or um, how was your experience right after the injury? I think that all of like the pain was kind of blunted by like, oh my gosh, you know, just a lot of like thoughts in my head, like, what do I need to do? Like, this has to either be like, well, depending on how severe it has to be like repaired, you know, pretty soon, or um, I have to like figure out a way to get off of it. And it was just the beginning of my holiday party. So we had like rented out the place for like three hours, four hours. And it was like the first 30 minutes, you know, and I'm like, I'm going to ruin everyone else's time at this holiday party. So I was kind of more thinking about everyone else. And like, I'm just going to suck it up and pretend that I'm fine until we get through today, just so I can like keep the spirits high. You know, I don't want to have everyone else be like, okay, well, this kind of sucks, you know? So that was my initial thoughts. Um, 
I didn't feel a ton of pain. It just kind of was like dull. And then I got ice on it right away just to try to like, you know, get the inflammation down. Um, and then I, I reached out to a surgeon that I know who's a, an Achilles uh, reconstruction surgeon. That's what he focuses on. And I texted him and I told him what happened and he got me an appointment the next day. And so and it sounds like that it wasn't that painful then. Um, you're able to ignore it just with other things. I had a different experience. I, mine was very painful. Um, not right when it happened. It was probably more emotionally painful the first 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. But then I had to drive myself home because we had separate cars at the park for soccer practice. I was just coaching. I wasn't even playing. I was playing with them, but I was like coaching, playing, playing defense. And I was backing oh, up and someone started coming at me and I just stepped back and changed direction and felt it pop. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so everyone, heard, everyone heard it around me and like, including my daughter, who's like 10 feet from me. And anyway, I, I, I was two and a half out months out from my first Ironman. And so emotionally is just like, okay, that's over. Like, I mean, <laughs> I know what this is going to yeah. be like, but anyway, um, mine was definitely painful. I had pain like driving home. I mean, it was on my left as well, so I didn't have to use it, but, uh, I, I guess I didn't have anything to like distract me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I did. And we also party and like, you know, there was beverages too, you know, to celebrate. So I was like, let me just try to like get through this the next day. It was painful. Don't, you know, don't get me wrong. It was very painful the next day. But during that day, I think that more so that it was, you know, it wasn't my pride, but it was more like, I didn't want to get everyone else down. Yeah. And so you elected to have surgery, obviously. Um, that's almost, I think probably almost always the case with Achilles. I don't know. There's, I don't know, maybe not. We can talk about that, but, um, <laughs> Did they do like an ultrasound the next day to image it or what did they do? Yeah, they first did an x-ray um, just to make sure, like, I guess, to see kind of what the inflammation looks like. And then you could see based on the x-ray, like the tendon was already like torn, but then they needed to do the MRI to make sure like how much was torn, how many centimeters of gap and stuff like that. That's the big um, determining factor of if you should try non-op or off is how many centimeters of gap there is. Because if there's like at least a little bit of like contact, um, when they're, you're fully plantar flex, then they can, the, you know, the tendon can actually like regenerate itself and heal. But mine was at the most plantar flex position. Mine was still three centimeters apart. And when I was just in neutral position, it was like nine centimeters apart. So it completely like separated like mid substance mm -hmm. probably of the tendon. No, no. Mine was right at the musculotendinous junction at the soleus. Oh, okay. Okay. So higher. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I wonder, I didn't get an MRI. We just did ultrasound and so they could see it, but they didn't anyway, that's probably, they could have been more accurate with the MRI. Um, they didn't really give me much option or choice, but that's, that's interesting to know, uh, because you had it repaired and then, and then what, go go on. <laughs> yeah. So I had an open repair. So that's just, um, there's several different like methods now. I don't know which one that you had, but I had the open repair because uh, my surgeon knew that I was an Olympic weightlifter. And so he kind of knew what activities I wanted to get back to, which is great. I think that you definitely have to make sure you tell the people working with you what your goals are. And so he also decided to put extra anchors in my heel. So he used like the PARS system to do the anchors and the heel, but he didn't use the PARS system to do the actual repair. So he re reconstructed it, put those extra anchors. So he made sure that nothing would happen, at least at the insertion. And um, yeah, that was two days after, I guess, the original injury that I had the surgery. 
Only two days. Okay. Um, yeah, they usually do it within a week, right? I mean, um, that's interesting that they combine the technique of using the pars, which is the newer technique, um, with like anchoring it into the calcaneus. So it's strong at the calcaneus, but then what was your rehab process like the first, you know, two months? Yeah. So I was in like a soft splint, um, you know, like the, right after surgery for like 10 days. And then they put me into a hard cast for two weeks. Um, and then I got out of the cast and got into the boot, the hinged boot, which was kind of stuck in that 22 degrees of plantar flexion, which I guess is like the gold standard for healing an Achilles, you know, who knew, <laughs> but, um, uh, I was non-weight bearing for five weeks. And he told me that since I was a physical therapist, he was going to let me get to non or to weight bearing at five weeks versus his normal, normal patients. He waits till eight weeks. So, um, he was going to let me go a little ahead of the curve just because he knew that like. I would respect the tissue healing timelines and not push it. Um, so yeah, so I was non-weight bearing. I got, as soon as I was in a boot, I got right into physical therapy and I didn't do my own therapy. I made sure that like I took myself out of it and just had the clinicians that um, I work with do my rehab. And I think that was like the best decision too. So then I didn't have to like, you know, be emotionally and physically drained all the time because I was still treating patients too. So it was nice to have to, to just turn off my brain and let them take over. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, if it happens to you as a PT, you can get a PT to help you. <laughs> yes. Because uh, you, um, there's a lot of things you can't necessarily do yourself anyway. Um, but just that the whole mental aspect to turn off and just let them do it is probably the biggest aspect of helping get through that. And then didn't you have a setback like at four months or something like that? Yeah. So, and this is kind of a good thing I guess we could talk about is that you know, there's all these protocols out here and there's all these like arbitrary timelines. And when this happened to me, I looked at all of them. And then I was in this like Facebook group, which was great. I don't know if you were in that Facebook group too, but a lot of people were posting their timelines and their protocols. And so I was kind of like comparing everything to kind of see like, all right, where I want to do an accelerated protocol, which my surgeon was fine with, but I needed to figure out like timeline wise where I needed to be. And so he told me when I went to do my 12 week check-in appointment that I should be jump roping. Okay. Jump roping by that point. And I was like, well, I just got a single leg calf raise, which I thought was really good. I thought, you know, I was feeling like I was ahead of everyone else. Cause a lot of people would take a lot longer to get that single calf raise back. It wasn't great. It was like kind of like a hopping one, but I could do it. Um, and he was like, no, you really should be, you know, at this point jump roping. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm behind in his, you know, his eyes. So we got to physical therapy that week and I was like, you know, doc says that I should be doing some jumping and he wants me to start jump roping by the next time that I see him, which was like two weeks later. So we started doing like basic jumps, you know, like one jump at a time, stuff like that. And I was doing therapy three days each week. So um, we started to keep progressing that using bands for assistance. And it was the next week, uh, one of the days I was really, really dehydrated, really, really tired. And we were doing like multiple jumps in a row, just little line hops just like five in a row. And then I felt the pop and I was like, this doesn't feel normal, but it wasn't the same pop as before the first one, because I knew right away the first time that it was a rupture. Right. And so then I like was thinking maybe it's scar tissue. I've never had this injury before. So maybe it is scar tissue because everything was very, very tight as you remember, I'm sure. Um, so I kind of like sat down for a little bit that day. And then I finished my physical therapy, which had a little bit more jumping at the end. And it was using the bands and then I did side to side jumps and it popped again. And I was like, something's going on. So I like sat down and um, I reached out to my doctor 
And this is crazy to me. He was like, there's no way you heard it. And I was like, I'm pretty sure it, like it popped. I have it on video too. And so I sent him the video and he was like, let's order an MRI. So he like changed his attitude right away. He was thinking like, of course, there's nothing that I could have done. Um, Cause he did his job, right. You know, every surgeon's like, you know, I did perfect. I put those extra anchors in, like, how could you possibly, you know, hurt this? So um, it was kind of frustrating because he told me that I was behind and that I started to try to slowly progress to that expectation that he had set for me. And I guess everyone else. And then when I started to progress towards it, this happened and I had a partial re-rupture of 90%. Oh, really? At, yeah. the, at the musculotendinous junction? Yes. So where he had put sutures essentially, right? I mean, yeah, I guess, I mean, what, what the, they use suture tape or like sutures in that area in the junction? Um, sutures. Yeah. They were like, you know, some that like dissolved. Okay. And that, and that 90% was like, what was the separation like on the MRI? So it, since there was still 10% attached, it was actually a little bit higher than the original injury. So, which kind of makes sense, right? Cause my anchors were really, really tight and the, whatever they repaired was really, really tight too. So then what's, what's weak is what's above it and what's below it, but there's nothing below cause it's anchored. So right above where I originally tore is this, is where I partial retour. So um, it was actually like, they called it intra tear. So it was like in the middle of the tendon. It wasn't on the surface. So that's why we kind of decided to do the non-op route because there was still something attached. And um, my surgeon wanted me to do PRP, which I didn't do PRP. I don't know what your thoughts are on PRP, but I decided to forego that. And so the, you didn't have to start back over completely since it wasn't, you didn't have to have surgery. So what was, how far back did you have to start back over? I mean, you, were you still weight bearing and stuff? Yeah. So once again, I kind of like decided to take things into my own, my own hands. Um, and I decided to put myself in cowgirl boots. So back in the day, like how we would treat like tendinopathy at like the Achilles, I remember they would, they would prescribe like cowboy boots, cowgirl boots, like high heels to put yourself in that plantar flex position. So I decided like, you know, my, I have some really high cowgirl boots. I'm a, a country fan and they put me in about 25 degrees of plantar flexion. So throughout the day I'd be in cowgirl boots for like six weeks straight. And then at night I'd put myself back in my boot to stay in that plantar flex position. And so then I was still ambulatory. I was weight bearing. I was doing able to do everything. There was probably about a two to three week period where I just did mainly like seated based exercises just to calm things down. Cause I did have some bruising and some swelling. And then I was able to quickly progress right back to where I was. And so fast forward, I mean, once you kind of got through all that basic stuff, I mean, was one of your goals always to try to get back to Olympic weightlifting? I know you mentioned that that's why you went to the surgeon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm a national level weightlifter. And I would decide, you know, I wanted to compete um, at that level again, obviously, I didn't know when, but um, I actually ended up competing in December, which was exactly one year post op. And I um, qualified for nationals, which is next year or this year, I guess. So I was able to get the same scores or the same like uh, weight that I did before, which is kind of cool because I'm just as strong as I was previously. So you were competing beforehand already. Yes. Mm -hmm. at, at that same level, like had you already made it to this level before? Mm -hmm. And so what, you know, what's is the, how did you work on getting back to like a split jerk? You know, I mean, that's probably the biggest risk, um, after Achilles, do you go back with that left foot or the right foot? 
go back with my right foot, luckily. Okay. You've always done yeah. that. You didn't have to change that. <laughs> no, I didn't have to change it, but I did do a lot of like push jerks at first. So I didn't have to do that split, you know, just to like get the timing down and stuff. But the jerk was actually like one of the hardest things to get back because that dip on the jerk, you have to have a good amount of dorsiflexion. I mean, you have to have a good amount of dorsiflexion for all of the Olympic weightlifting movements, but I didn't realize how much like you drive into that dorsiflexion, then you have to quickly, you know, um, do like a plyometric jump, you know, up off that position. So that was hard to do because I'm still a little bit less dorsiflexion on that side. Do you think that'll ever get back to, well, I mean, you're only a year out, 13 months, 14 um, yeah, I'm still 12 months. I'll be 13 months tomorrow. Oh, wow. Um, but, um, yeah, I'll get, I mean, it's still getting better. It was already, and we can talk about, cause I remember you mentioning that, was there any like predisposing things before this happened that I think that we're contributing? Um, I've always had limited, limited ankle dorsiflexion on my left side. So when I was younger, um, I, I think I mentioned that I had uh, broken my heel in the past and I had Seavers, which is calcaneal apophysitis. So just like um, where, you know, right at that growth plate where you get like that inflammation and a lot of it had to do with my Achilles, right? So it's kind of all Achilles based rehab for stuff like that. And we never really did that. Sorry. Um, we never really did that in rehab because I was like 12 years old and rehab at that point was just basic exercises. I don't even think I did rehab after that that the second time I got out of the cast, they were just like cut off the cast and they're like, you're good to go back to practice. And so I always had limited ankle dorsiflexion on that side. And I always had um, limited hip extension on that side too. So I think that all of that kind of contributed to the fact that like, I was probably overusing my Achilles to do something that my hip should have been helping out with. And, but my Achilles wasn't strong enough. My dorsiflexion wasn't enough. Um, so all these things kind of just created that perfect storm and kind of contributed to this injury in my mind. I mean, who knows, right? I don't have like a crystal yeah. ball to say that's exactly it, but um, I'm thinking that that definitely has something to do with it. And you weren't thinking like this happened to me when I was 12, I'm going to work on this specific, like you weren't specifically working on your left ankle dorsiflexion or maybe even like strengthening specifically that side or plyometrics more on the left uh, before this happened. No, right? I, I mean, I was doing everything symmetrically. Like I do ankle dorsiflexion work every time I do any like Olympic weightlifting or any like lifting at all, you know, so I do loaded movements and I do a lot of like calf work. I was doing all the things, um, but I wasn't doing extra on that side to kind of make up for the difference side to side. And now like I'm still doing extra stuff. So um, I do think that my dorsiflexion will come back slowly. I was kind of hesitant for a long time to push it because I didn't want to heal long, you know? Um, I wanted to make sure that everything, cause I actually got my dorsiflexion back really, really fast. And it was kind of concerning around like the 12 week mark. My dorsiflexion was almost like 20 degrees. And I was like, Whoa, this is kind of crazy, you know? And so I thought that that was kind of concerning. So I like backed off of it and then I let it tighten up, which is fine. I'd rather it be short and strong than like long and not able to produce as much force. Yeah, definitely. Um, and what about what was what side was the ACL on and the hip injury you had? The ACL was the left side. And then the hip injury was no, the ACL was the right side, hip injury was the left side. Um, they've kind of been all over the place. Have you had but any... I had another knee injury on the left side too? Okay. Have you had any um concussions? I have. Why do you bring that up? Because <laughs> um, Kelly Starrett asked me that whenever I told him I tore my Achilles. Um, 
and I, I said the same thing. I was like, and he also guessed my age within a year, uh, which was weird, weird because normally I thought like typically it's males that tear their Achilles and like at least in their 40s. But I was 37 at the time. I think he actually guessed it on the dot. But then his next question was, have you had any concussions? I was like, yeah, I've had like four for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and <clears throat> he said there's some kind of research. I don't know if he's doing it or something he heard that's related to the pituitary gland and concussions and higher risk of tendon ruptures. So not necessarily Achilles, but it can be anywhere. Like, I mean, you've had tendon problems in your shoulder for a long mm -hmm. time. Um and even in your Achilles and how many concussions have you had? Three confirmed, um, probably more than that, like gymnastics. you just kind of hit your head all the time, right? Like when you like miss the bars you smack. Um, but I, three, like in college, you know, we had obviously all the testing and the protocols set up in college. So three in college. So uh, apparently that's something that can put you in a higher risk factor or risk of mm. injury. Um, you know, he was just, and then also a lot of things we know now, like, um, sleep and hydration. And I mean, there were probably other factors that particularly that day. Yeah. You did it three times, but I mean, that doesn't mean yeah. that have happened at that time, you know, um, it was a kind of a perfect storm, but so the reason I asked like kind of things, you know, existing factors that have led into your Achilles injury, has that has this changed like how you've approached like helping and educating patients? Yeah, absolutely. I took that a course to um, on like learn physio um, about Achilles injuries and about like getting back to it was like running related um, Achilles injuries, but still it's applicable. Right. And they were talking about how um, lack of hip extension or like a, um, a groin injury or a like hip um, a hamstring injury or something then like the glute injury on that same side could predispose you to. So now I look at that stuff too. And I educate my patients on, you know, if there is any like side to side asymmetry, that's, you know, significant, like we want to work on it too, because we want to prevent other injuries from happening. So I definitely like paid more attention to those things now going forward. And just, you know, I don't want to like ever say that, that, you know, this is definitely why, because we have no idea, but it's always something I bring up and try to just, you know, help educate people on. Yeah. I think just, um, it's a, it would, we would be doing a disservice to our patients and clients if we weren't starting to learn some of these things and other things that mm -hmm. can contribute to injury. And of course we want to prevent as much injury as possible. We know that's not possible to prevent every injury, especially in something like gymnastics and dance where there's a high volume and intensity of things that were and even in Olympic weightlifting. I mean, there's such, you have that intensity level so high, um, mm -hmm. you know, things are going to happen, but we want to try to prevent the severity of the injury. Right. And so um, I think it's like our, we have to do our due diligence to, to educate as much as possible and learn ourselves. Like, and for me and you, it happened to be doing it ourselves. <laughs> um, yeah, I, mean, yeah. sure, I learned way more having it happen to me versus, you know, if that hadn't happened to me before, right after it happened, I had someone reach out to me. Um, I think they saw something I was probably doing on Instagram, like for myself and they had just torn their biceps tendon. Um, and so I was able to help him way more than I would have, if I hadn't have torn my Achilles, <laughs> uh, as far as like what to do early on, stuff like that, that, you know, really, I honestly wouldn't have thought or even, even known that much about other than like, if I had taken some courses specifically on it, but, um, I mean, 
if if that's like the positive that comes out of like your injury happening mm-hmm. and my injury happening, then I think that's that's great. I'll do it. I'll do it over again because I want to mm-hmm. help as many people as possible. And also, I mean, part of your mission is to prevent, right? <laughs> um, exactly. So I don't want this to happen to anybody, you know, I, I, especially now that it's happened. I would never want anybody to tear their Achilles. I hate seeing it when I ha- see it on TV. Um, same thing with ACL. Uh, I, I do feel like, what do you think is worse, ACL or Achilles? Achilles. But I was younger when, with the ACL too. So uh, I just think that tendons, like those tissues are take a lot longer to heal. Like ligaments are a lot easier to rehab. In my mind, I'm not sure if you agree, but I just think that especially this, it's so distal and you're using it all the time, whether you think that you are or you're not, you know, it's like, you can't just give it a break. So, and being a therapist on my feet all the time, it just felt like every single day it was like swelling up. And that was a, something I had to like be conscious of early on. Cause I was really, really impairing my ability to like do rehab well early on. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. Um, being, I think I probably would have said the same thing, even if it hadn't happened to me, but now for sure, it's like, it's not even a question of which one is more difficult. Um, but it's because mm-hmm. of those reasons you said, I mean, the properties of a tendon are different, very different from a ligament. Um, so it's a little bit harder to heal and recover from. Um, so now, I mean, you've gotten back to the, the same, basically the same level you were at before, um, mm-hmm. if not, maybe a little bit better because you've focused on some asymmetries. Um, so when is your next big event? So national is this December. So like December 9th, I think in Wilmington, North Carolina. And that's like the, it's called the American open. So it's like the biggest weightlifting event um, in America. And that's where like you share the platform with all the Olympians too, because they all qualify for it, of course. So they're like, they're in the A session. I'm not going to be in the A session with them, but it's just going to be a privilege to be on the same stage that they're on and to be back to competing. Like there was many days in this process that I thought there's no way I'm ever going to get back to that like high level of performance. And now that I'm back and like feeling stronger than ever, I think that, you know, I'm just so excited just to be there. So what is your ultimate goal like in Olympic weightlifting? I mean, do you want to continue to improve and go further and further? I mean, yeah, everyone wants to improve and go further and further, but um, we also have other goals of like, you know, getting a family, you know, soon and starting our family. So um, obviously those goals come first. And at this point I'm, I'll be 34 next month. So I'm not like a spring chicken in the weightlifting world. So um, at this point, I just want to keep lifting for as long as I can, which is going to just help, you know, with a lot of age related problems mm-hmm. later on. Um, and just keep trying to like show others that weightlifting is cool because it used to have a lot of stigma around it that no one wanted to do it. And now I think that like teaching young girls, like how empowering weightlifting can be is really kind of my ultimate goal. What is the, what age does master's division start? 35. So I'm almost there. All right. I'm going to crush it. <laughs> you at least got to keep going until then. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I have one uh, client that I'm actually, I'm seeing her this afternoon. She's a, a power lifter uh, and she's 52 or 53. She's in her fifties and she started it later on in life after she had this devastating injury. She's actually been on the podcast. She can go listen to it. It's Angie Harrell. Um, and she came back from this devastating injury and basically there's not that many people weightlifting her age, like doing powerlifting at these meets. And so mm-hmm. she's competitive too. And even though there's not a lot of people doing it, she's winning them. Like <laughs> she's basically one of the strongest ones in her age and, and weight class um, and, and powerlifting. And it's also like the reason she's 
able to even do what she can do now. Otherwise, I mean, she'd probably possibly still be in a wheelchair. I mean, who knows? Like if she didn't get wow. back to doing this kind of thing. Um, and so I well, think that's very cool. Yeah. I think that for, I mean, if for no other reason, um, you don't have to necessarily stay at that competitive level. I mean, we obviously can't do it forever, but to mm -hmm. make yourself harder to kill and live longer. I mean, <laughs> that's a pretty good reason too yeah. to be around for your family uh, as long as possible. Um, what kind of yeah. things do you like to do outside of work now? Like besides Olympic weightlifting? Um, so I like to do woodworking, which is, I know it's very random, but, uh, my husband does a lot of welding and we like to like make things together. So, uh, like this mirror behind me, you know, we re, um, remade it a couple years back. There's like coffee tables we made in our houses. So, um, we're in the process of making this bar and like, we want we just got amethyst from a mine up in Arizona and it's like one of the only like amethyst mines in the world. So we're going to crush it up and like create little like, uh, veins of amethyst. So I like to do stuff like that. Oh my goodness. That, that was unexpected. That's awesome. <laughs> do you yeah. have like a woodworking, uh, in your garage? Like, is it, is it like a space for you to be a carpenter or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we recently moved in the new house like one of like the big things we were looking at for a new house is that it had to have like a detached garage or like a workshop and so we were able to find a house that has a three-car detached garage which is just a workshop for my husband and then obviously I just like steal it from time to time and do my stuff that's awesome and this is something I ask all my podcast guests what hobby activity or sport would you like to try outside of anything that you've done to this point that you've never tried I want to try like uh, martial arts. I'm not really sure which one because those are, there's several and I wanted to try it actually starting last year, but I think I'm going to try to do some classes this year, maybe like Brazilian jiu-jitsu or I don't know, but I want to try that. What made you want to do that? I don't know. I just kind of feel like I'd be okay at it and because um, I'm flexible and I'm strong and I don't know, it just kind of seems cool to kind of kick someone's butt. So <laughs> Yeah, if I mean, if people that are listening to this don't know who you are, I'd, I'd I'd be surprised because you're very popular on Instagram. You're you're it's called just at at the Physio Fix, right? Or do you have your own? Yeah, no, I have. I mean, I have Doc Stacy. It's like my personal page, but it's really just at the Physio Fix. That's my main page. Okay, yeah, and that's the one that has like six hundred thirty thousand followers or something like that. So, um you you said you're very flexible like you know that if you follow if someone follows you <laughs> uh, right and also they can kind of follow along with your journey um we are having have you ever considered doing a triathlon i have been a triathlon i did a sprint triathlon when i was like 22 and i qualified for like the sprint triathlon something or other that was like in um like lake placid new york that year i think it was like it was age group national nationals. i don't know age group national yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I qualified for that, but I'm not much of an endurance person. Um, I actually have a sticker on the back of my car that says 0, 0.0. Oh, <laughs> because I'm not a big runner, but I do like to go hiking. Um, but yeah, I think it's great. I think that people that love to do that, good for you. It's just not my thing. Well, the reason I asked is um, we're we're putting on a, a triathlon here in College Station in October, October 1st, and it's called the Active Texan Triathlon. And it's benefiting a local nonprofit organization called First Wind Foundation. And it's in honor of the late John Webb, who was an attorney here that recently passed away. And there's a group of us, including some of his uh, working partners and um, my wife and some people in the tri-club here. 
and one of my PTs, and we are trying to bring a triathlon back to this community, but we will be inviting all past Active Texan podcast guests. Um, okay. Um, I know it's not, you know, in your back door or backyard, but uh, uh, it would it would be cool to come do it here with the Active Texan. <laughs> yeah, I'll think about it. Like, I'm, I'm all about that. I'm all about, uh, especially things like that, like it's supporting a good cause. So yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, there's been a triathlon here in the past, and um, there, it's been gone for a couple of years, essentially. And so we just thought we're a big enough community. We need to have one here. Um, mm-hmm. Why not? So who's going to do it unless we do it? <laughs> Absolutely. That's cool. So you've already said people can find you on uh, Instagram at the Physio Fix. Um, if, if there's anybody that wants to find out more about your business or wants to work with you or work for you, where can they go? probably our website is like the best place to go that kind of has everything um even like descriptions of all the services we offer and then you can meet the team and kind of read each person's bio um so that's www.thephysiofix.com just just the business name all right yeah we'll put that in the show notes um is there any last um advice that you would give someone that has is either going through an injury right now or maybe had something in the past and has kind of given up on on their goals yeah, I would say that the surgeon or like the doctor you go to obviously matters, but I think the physical therapist that you work with matters more in terms of any injury, not just an Achilles injury. So, um, and it does, as you already said, make a lot of difference when you have had this experience yourself and when you treat patients that have had this experience too. So I would say that, you know, if you don't, don't think that your current therapist is going to help you achieve your goals or maybe doesn't understand the injury go look for a different therapist. It's okay to seek outside help. Awesome advice. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Stacy, um, and sharing all the events that happened um, in the last 15 years of your life, but especially, I mean, I think this will touch a lot of people, help a lot of people get through it and get back to doing the things that they love doing. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. Awesome. Thanks. wanted to take a moment to remind you to subscribe to the Active Texan podcast wherever podcasts are available. And while you are there, give us a five-star rating. Thank you for listening to the Active Texan.